If you don't like swearing, you definitely won't be charmed in this episode of Bewitched Banter. You have been warned, content is not suitable for all listeners. Listening to Bewitch Panther. I'm Krista, and I believe that people are just inherently shitty. And I'm Amy, and I tend to believe that people are naturally good. But ironically, I'm a super believer in the supernatural and all things spiritual. And I'm a total skeptic. So we released our Bewitch history called the 411 on Voodoo just on Tuesday. And today, uh, we're switching up with our format, so we're going to be calling this our Witching Tales episode, which we will be releasing on Thursday, where we tell more of our stories. So we'll have our history segment, and then we're going to have our story time. So for those of you history buffs out there, like Amy's hubby, Corey, who we think you had a little guest host on our Vampires Be Thirsty app, we can offer you at least just the history. And for those of you who like the wacky, wild tales of crazy ass people you can listen to those <laughs> you know on your own time but ultimately listen to both listen to both yeah exactly just, just <laughs> go ahead go right on ahead now go to apple and download that shit and leave us a review a kind one please yeah definitely so how, how have you been been really good um went on a hike this morning um with my parents and the pups and i was telling you on the phone and it sounded funny but f- for real real talk it was like a really religious experience for me this morning why um Do you I mean, see god i did no not quite but you know personally i've been going through some things and i used to hike all the time believe it or not i know you know the me that was this rundown like a depressed to me you've known that me for unfortunately um, you've seen the darkest parts of me and obviously I'm working through a lot of that and back in the day I used to hike all the time. Where is this hiking Krista? Yeah, never no, met her. I, you didn't and that's why I was laughing because and I found so much spirituality in nature back in the day and I, I left that part of me behind I think in the turmoil of my divorce and my relationship and and today I was walking out there and I literally said to myself this is gonna sound wild and a little, little, <laughs> little religious frankly but spiritual to me I was like to nature because nature's always been my god or my universe whatever the hell my higher power is nature and I was like god I have forsaken thee like talking to nature herself mother nature because I was just out there and it was a beautiful day and it was with my family and I know it's just like it's just wild I just you know in my process of working through some things it's just it was just a really lovely morning it's a lovely Sunday morning nice how about you you were up north in the the likes of the rich last night <laughs> yes I was I went out to it was like the four seasons in uh North Scottsdale absolutely breathtaking you can it see it is stunning all like this you can see all the twinkling lights from phoenix and then all the mountains mm-hmm. and then there's like the big boulders and the sunset was incredible and we had amazing food it was my mom's birthday so we had lamb it like literally like fell off the bone and mm. it had dates in it um hungry girl oh yeah i'm gonna make you really hungry we had grilled octopus we had like two huge desserts mm-hmm. and then today 
was in my parents' neighborhood up in Carefree, and they have, like, a nature trail. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful up there. It was a good experience. I don't know if I felt a religious experience, <laughs> but I enjoyed my walk. It was a nice day. Yeah, and so just getting back to getting outside is what I, I guess my little epiphany I had this morning of, like, stopping a depressed bitch. Get up. Get your butt moving. Get some sunshine. Well, they've proven how uh, just, like, 30 minutes of walking and, like, all the health benefits and also just being outside, how, like, being out and mm-hmm. hiking and nature, how good it is for you. Yeah. Uh, and I've always known that in my core, but I just, listen, you know, I've been through some things and uh, I'm ready to come through that now. So that was my lovely day. What else is going on with you? I finished my first class for uh, ASU for instructional design. Yeah. One class down, four more to go until I get my certificate. We did do our homework, you guys, on selling sunsets. Can we talk about that, please? Yes, yes, yes. I felt I liked it, but I kind of did think that they made the whole season about Christine, even though she wasn't even really selling houses. Did you feel like that? Oh, yeah. It's called production and drama. Oh, yeah. I loved how uh, dramatic it was. But, yeah, definitely a guilty, guilty pleasure, which I totally loved watching. It was so much fun. Yes. And if you have not watched it yet, I don't think we're going to give any spoilers, but... I can't wait for Jason Chrishell's relationship. I'm like, the whole yeah. time I was waiting for that to happen. And then they show next season them kissing. I'm like, no! I need to see it now! <laughs> what happened? How did they get together? And why the fuck am I so invested in reality TV? I am so invested. I've never... You guys, listen. I've never been a reality TV girl. Like, I don't, I don't watch Housewives. I don't watch any of that drama. you ever watched Real World growing up? Okay, so... Caveat. I loved Real World Caveat from Real World. Yes, I did watch that and they're actually the founders kind of of reality tv well they were the, wasn't the first season of real world the the first reality show ever mm-hmm. i think so so they're the pioneers but so yeah besides that from back in the day i never got into any of this drama until ames put me on to selling sunset and i was literally crying last week on their couch for like five days straight and i'm like <laughs> oh my god i'm chrishelle <laughs> Are you, Chrishell? I fucking wish I was. Goddamn. We gotta... No, we'd have to do an entire makeover slash radical diet. God knows, but... Well, those people don't eat. When the the girl's like, oh, I'm gonna have water for lunch. (laughs) No, no thanks. Just water for me. I think don't get hungry. It's weird. (laughs) Yeah, so... I... I don't much watch much reality TV. When I do, it, I definitely get sucked in. But when I do, with Selling Sunset. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty fun, though. It was just kind of fun to have, like, a mindless show to come home and watch and be excited about. It really was. And honestly, I'm certainly not Chriselle, let me clarify, but just she was very inspiring to me, what she'd been through. I can't believe I'm talking about a reality star like this, but <laughs> I'm really... Well, she did. She, like, bounced... She got divorced, and then she came back, like, even better. Yeah. That's, so, like, goals there. That is my goals immediately when you said that. Exactly my goals. We try to re-rise of the Krista. Rise of the Phoenix. Return <laughs> of the Beck. Uh, uh, uh. All right. Well, that's enough. Banta, you ready to tell us about your story? Yes. Which I think is quite depressing, is it not? Yeah, it's pretty on theme for what we usually do. <laughs> so buckle well, up. At least we on theme. <laughs> so yeah, so we went over Voodoo. Krista did a great job explaining that to us. I'm going to go over a event, which I think is going to help us have a better understanding and really give us a perspective of why Voodoo, like you kind of covered it a little bit, but this is going to help us kind of learn a little bit more why Voodoo is often seen as, like in a negative light sure. even more. 
I'm going to be covering the famous 1864 case, and it helped basically it defined people's outlook and attitudes towards the voodoo religion and as Haiti as a country. Okay. And I wanted to mention at the top, uh, I got majority of my information from an article. It was from the Smithsonian, and it was written by Mike Dash. The case I'll be covering has been named the Affaire de Byzantine. Okay. Good. And that's French, right? Because the French occupied Haiti, I think, right? I believe so. I think. Ask, call on Corey. That's that's our next segment. Call on Corey, the historian. <laughs> He's not going to answer. Call a friend. Call a friend. <laughs> He's not going to answer. Call on Corey. <laughs> <laughs> he barely answers for me, so yeah, good right. luck. So it all begins on February 13th, 1864. So eight Haitian people who practiced voodoo were found guilty and sentenced to death for brutal, horrific murder of a 12-year-old girl. Okay. So most of the information we know about this trial may not be exactly true. This case received a lot of attention at the time globally. It is believed, honestly, like today still happens all the time, that journalists who were covering this story were prejudiced and had racist roots against Ugh. the voodoo religion. I'm gonna, yep. I'm gonna skate right by the anger meter today, so keep going. Keep going. <laughs> and it is believed that a lot of the facts have been, and important details were misreported. None of the trial transcripts still survive today, so we can't really fact check any any of the stories that were written in 1864. That sucks. Was, that was my next question. It was like, can any of this be actually verified? But it sounds like it is not verifiable, unfortunately. And most of the information we know about the murder is from Sir Spencer St. John. And I'm going to call him St. John for short. Okay. And he was a British embassy member in Haiti. Okay. And he is one of the main culprits behind why Haiti developed a reputation for being seen as a country where, like, voodoo was pretty much controlling the country. And through this man, people gained the perception that cannibalism and ritualized murder was just taking place in voodoo, uh, not in voodoo, in Haiti with no consequences. As a part of voodoo, though, right? Yeah. Or just in general. Just just in general. But I think a lot of these things were happening because of the voodoo religion. Uh, Okay. But then they were also thinking it's like this unruly country where people could go murder someone, but you're not going to end up in jail. Right. Okay. And he published a memoir called Haiti, the Black Republic. And this caused so many local Haitians to be like outraged, Mm -hmm. furious. And in the memoir he published, basically he published like sensational tales of cannibalism in the voodoo religion. And his memoir, Mm. along with this famous case, uh, has so much influence even today that people believe that the country had, like, a pact with the devil. And it was the ultimate cause of, like, the earthquake that happened in 2010. So, like, it's kind of interesting. Like, this was in 1864. Like, his actions from writing this and still impacts people's beliefs and perceptions on Haiti today. Okay, and maybe a dumb question. I know you said he's from the British Embassy, but he's he's black or white? He's white. Okay. We, I can, we can post a picture of him. Yeah. It is said that St. John completed the most thorough and detailed research into this crime. So he's pretty essential to this part. Okay. And this next part I'm going to be going over is what he gathered from um, along with many other newspapers. It is believed mm-hmm. that a man named Congo Pele sacrificed his niece to gain blessings from the voodoo gods. The girl was killed in a small village called Byzantine, which is just outside the country's capital. Okay. So Congo's brother, Jean Pellet, decided to help him with the sacrifice. It was more typical to sacrifice a goat or a chicken. But mm-hmm. after I have the- experience with the chicken thing mm-hmm. and Santeria, I won't talk about it, but yes. 
Yeah, but after they consulted with two voodoo priests, the voodoo priest told them they need to sacrifice a goat, quote unquote, a goat without horns, which basically means you need to sacrifice a human. Jean and Congo invited their sister's family to come visit in Port-au-Prince. Where Jean, Congo, and the young girl, um, they were alone, is, is when they decide to kidnap the young girl named Colrosine. The next part I'm going to warn everyone is very graphic. Oh, boy. So if you are triggered by hearing, like, just nasty, horrific things, you might want to fast forward 30 seconds or a minute. I might be fast forwarding myself. <laughs> you can't, though. <laughs> Do you want to leave the room and come back? No, I'm good. I'm, good. I'm just going to, yep. Go for it. I'm just going to freak out. You know me. It is said they they bound and gagged her. Okay. And hid her beneath the altar of a temple. Oh, God. The girl called Racine stayed there for four nights. After four nights on New Year's Eve, they invited two other voodoo priests for a ceremony. So during the ceremony, they strangled Flayed. Oh, Mm-hmm. Which basically... You had me up until... Fl- oh, God. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay, explain. I'm going to... Your muffs. Oh, Which God. Basically <laughs> means they removed her skin. Oh. Then they decapitated her and then oh. dismembered her. That is... I'm not even fucking saying. horrific. Excuse the French again, Robin, but that one needed an F bomb. I, I, that's horrific. I'm not finished yet. Oh, my God. Are you serious? <laughs> no. Oh, God. How could it get worse than flaying? They then cooked her body and kept her blood in a jar. Oh, God. And, okay, sorry. So, I know none of this has been proven. This is just the story that was told. Correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So. I'll, I'll get into it more okay. later. Okay. Either way, it's horrific and. Oh. That is the story. That what was told throughout the newspapers. And I'll get into it a little okay. bit. Okay. There is contradicting information. St. John strongly believes this isn't the only human sacrifice that this family and voodoo priests have executed. I do want to make note at this time around 1860, most of the urban and elite people were Catholic, but the majority of the people who lived in the countryside in Haiti were practicing voodoo. So it's kind of almost like a social class war a little bit too. Was it a racial thing too? Mm -hmm. Definitely a racial racial and social class. Of course. To give a little history context of why voodoo was one of the main religions in Haiti, I mean, you covered this a little bit, but Mm -hmm. going a little bit further into it, is because around 1787, it is said that 60% of the French slaves in the Americas, including Haiti, were slaves that were born in Africa. Yep. So during this time, they would not attempt to Christianize any of the slaves. And, like, they're bringing their African religions with them. Yep. And so they're instilling the practices and beliefs into their culture. Like, mm-hmm. exactly what you covered in your history sec- section. Mm-hmm. Slavery ended in Haiti with a bloody revolution in 1793. Slaves during this time would use machetes uh, to cut down sugar crops because okay. it was their main export. The slaves outnumbered the French three to one, and they actually rebelled and used the machetes to kill off all of the French. And that's how they became an independent nation. Okay. I mean, I, I obviously murdering anyone is horrific, but could you imagine being an enslaved person and not rebelling like that? Well, They're, it's almost like they handed them the weapon. Right. Well, I they mean, did. They, they literally did. handed them the weapon to and, rebel against them. And, and 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 after being literally reduced to one-fifth human and debased actually to not even a human, i kill a bitch immediately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it just... I'm not saying that's justified, right? No murder is, but you can you can understand. Yeah, I think anyone why could. <laughs> that would happen. 
But this is this is really essential to the story. So they're the first independent black country in the Western Hemisphere. Oh wow! And okay, for, be from the rebellion, and it happened in 1793. But because of this, it caused the country to receive a lot of hate from the Western world. Well, you know that the the white Westernized world ran with this shit, and that's the reason. One of the many reasons, aside as slavery in general, that they they you know to keep, God forbid, you know black people from having any agency like i said in my history because they're afraid that they'll quote unquote rebel and murder mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's so, so gross it's so grossly intertwined with our racial issues today mm-hmm. and i know I, I know you have more to come but i'm just like so fascinated by how you know all the things that have been happening in 20 and 21 with the racial you know murders and inequity and like distress like it's no wonder like 200 years ago is not that fucking long of a time ago to you know and it's like no fucking wonder there's so much trauma from these type of events and 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 slavery in general so yeah and i think it's these stories are good to highlight because it gives us a broader sense and understanding of where the racism and the fear, where it originated. Mm-hmm. And it has been ongoing for a long time. And like I said at the very beginning, uh, the earthquake happened in 2010. Right. And their their perception, like people probably don't even realize it's being shaped by something that happened like almost 200 years ago, mm-hmm. if I'm doing my math right. But it, I think these stories are important to highlight because it explains the history behind it. Unfor- like, unfortunately, it's a terribly sad thing. Yeah, it's it's horrific, but you can under it's like Amy said, it's so important to understand the the why now we got here and that this is just one very particular instance. Obviously there's many, many complex layers of mm-hmm. that, but um this illustrates that point pretty well of like how that happened and who said that like how as a collective human species we were able to let some shit like this happen. Since uh the black people of Haiti had a struggle for independence for so long and a lot of them were born into slavery. They found voodoo to be a religion that symbolized freedom. And it helped them, like, build communities. Um, they could trust one another. It brought people together. But for the elite who tended to be... Uh, the elite tended to be more of a mixed race. And, Fren- okay. and the French educated thought voodoo was something that was associated with slave rebellion. And, like, of this, like, alien scary thing. Like, we kept saying in our other episode. Right. They, it's, like, this mystique. They don't understand it. Yeah, it was painted as mysterious and don't touch it because it's bad. And then in 1847, they elected Faustin Soluc, who was a former slave and a huge outspoken advocate for the voodoo religion. Okay. So the Western world, and we all know one of the main guilty culprits, the United States, was fearful Mm -hmm. That an independent black country would inspire African Americans to rise up against society. Oh my God. Girl. Okay. Here we go. So, this is basically the tale and one of the main reasons why they made Haiti out to be an uncivilized country full of uneducated people. Because they were trying to do anything to like tarnish the reputation of this country. Because all the white people were like fearful that. Like I said, they're going to inspire the other people who are enslaved in America to have an uprising mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, it was a PR, a very disgusting, maleficent, like, PR stunt against black people, essentially. Mm-hmm. Then in 1960, they elected Fabra Jeffrard, who wanted to distance himself from Soluk, the one who is a huge advocate for voodoo. Okay. 
So Jefford wanted to build a strong relationship with the Western world, and he had came to an agreement with them in 1860 that Catholicism would be the official religion of Haiti. So kind of doing the opposite of Salute, because he was he wanted voodoo to be the main religion. In this agreement is written that any black magic, sorcery, or sorts would be punished. Because uh, so Jeffrey did this, he's okay. trying to have Catholic be their main religion. He's openly saying, hey, if you are partaking in this, you're going to be punished. That is what led to the 1864 case of these people, eight people being executed publicly. Okay, yeah. So it's really just making a show of these people yeah. to... to- Drive home this point and get it. Yeah, it's, he's making it, he created it to be like a huge public affair. And he's like drawing in all sorts of people. He's trying to make a statement and like an example of these people. Like, hey, you do this, like you're going to, you're going to get murdered, basically. So the event did draw in large crowds of people on a busy Saturday in Port-au-Prince, the mm-hmm. capital. Okay. And it said it brought all sorts of people in as spectators. It wow. said that there are like elite members of the ruling class there. Illiterate farmers who walked from like the surrounding villages to watch. Another important thing to note about this trial is that St. John did write about the fact that Jeffard and others had beat confessions Ugh. out of the eight and they were exec- uh, that were executed. What do you know still happens today in mm-hmm. our prison industrial mm-hmm. complex? Don't give me. Mm. And he recalls one of the youngest female prisoners turning to the public prosecutor and said the following. Yes, I did confess what you assert, but remember how cruelly I was beaten before I said a word. Oh, my God. So that tells you everything right there. Literally just envisioning all the stuff I watch on documentaries and true crime and literally 200 plus years later, it still happens. Well, yeah, and I watched something on Netflix. I can't remember what it was, but it was um, basically something that was came out like a few years ago and it was kind of showing how corrupt our judicial system was and they were like tricking young people into confessing into things they've never done like the psychological tactics they were using i only watched a few episodes because it got so 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 depressing yeah i'm such a glutton for that shit i it's so bad i need to i need to remove myself sometimes i take i I personally take breaks because i think it gets depressing like for my own mental sake i'm like i have to watch something a little lighthearted. shit's creek yeah i do love shit's creek (laughs) so saint john still remains convinced at this point and from after the case that they were guilty and stated that they found physical evidence of a freshly boiled human skull And some of the bushes outside of the temple. And two witnesses came forward. You know they planted that shit. The little convenient St. John. One of the witnesses was a child uh, who they believed was going to be a second victim. Because he was found tied under the same altar where Coloracine was executed. Okay, well that's not a good look. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's a little bit of... It's not so black and white as you're making it. There Mm -hmm. is a little bit of... Hmm. A moment to pause. Questioning, sure. Yeah. Did the, did they set this up to make it look like they were guilty? Or was it... Did they pay these two victims? Like, that's where Correct. I kind of question yeah. all of it. Paid them off, probably, is my assumption. But again, if they're actual victims, that's awful. But basically, from the article I read in the research, it's there is a lot of conflicting evidence. Like, okay. Lot, there is a lot of evidence to show that they may be innocent, that eight people were executed, or... 
There are, like I said, lots of evidence to show that they were guilty. So no one truly knows. Okay. And St. John truly believed that cannibalism was a normal feature of Haitian living. In his Mm. book, he claimed that at least 40 Haitians were eaten every day and almost every citizen of the country has tasted human blood at some point. That's a little bit of a stretch, buddy. Especially if you have no evidence to back this claim up. I don't know. Well, that's... Also why I believe he thought they're, like, you know how it's like, you're supposed to be innocent proven until, until proven guilty. guilty. Yeah. If he Supposedly. Had, you know everybody gets tried by media these days, but that's another story. But another he, topic. But if he already had that perspective on the country, he probably immediately just, like, wrote him off they were guilty. Mm. Historians believe that this trial helped create perceptions that Haiti was a, like, I keep saying, an uncivilized, unstable place. And they believe this perception justified the American military to occupy Haiti for almost 20 years, starting in 1950. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. That, are, they, are we still there? Do you know? I don't believe so. But that's a still, like... Let me get into this, okay, though. Okay, okay, yeah. It's interesting. Okay. So, most scholars agree that the country has many deep-rooted issues that still cause present issues today that are, like, st- like I kind of said, stemming from the 18th and 19th century. So in 1825, France made Haiti pay 150 million francs, which is like the equivalence of three billion today for Holy the country's shit. independence and to compensate slave owners. Uh, a pop- Wait, I'm sorry. France made Haiti pay? Yes. It's so yes. I I can't follow this logic at all. This is insane. Yeah, and this uh, this guy says it best. A popular Haitian writer named Louis uh, Joseph Javier wrote that his country has paid for their country three times over in tear and sweat, yeah. in blood, during the revolution, and then in cash. And this is like my... In their heart and soul. Yes. Their reputation. There's people. It's human beings. I can't. And this is the my, most mind-blowing part about it. In 1914, it said that 80% of the Haitian budget went towards paying this debt. So all their money is going so to France. So that's why poor as shit. And uh, they finally finished pay- paying off the debt. It wasn't until 1947. That's so, disgusting that they even still had to pay a goddamn cent. Yeah, I can't imagine it even went on that long. That's the thing that kind of blows my mind is, like, first that they had to compensate slave owners. Like, they don't, they don't, shouldn't owe them anything. And then also... Cent. 80%. So it kind of shows you like why a little bit like Haiti's, I'm assuming like the economy, the situation, if they were having to pay off this debt, 80% of their money is going to France. They could not use any of that for like the infrastructure right. or anything else you would use oh to establish your country. Jesus. And it's just like that attack on this country because they're like the first free black, black nation, country. Yeah. yeah. And that. I really wanted to... So, to talk on black people, let's be clear. Let's, you know, it's that's what it, the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like I said earlier, look at the results today. <sighs> I told you it was a hard story, not a happy one, but I think it's something that, like I said, we should all examine. I hope I did it justice, because I feel like this is an important story. I think you did a wonderful Especially job. Especially for, like, Thank Haiti, because I, to me, I came across this, and I was like, I don't know any of this. Did you? Not a... A uh, uh, thing at all, and and frankly, they purposely probably don't teach us American kids this because they don't want us to know that our leadership is so corrupt and problematic, and 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 racist, frankly, and 
I don't know. And it just gets to so many different levels of really, it's it's a hard topic. Don't get me wrong. And again, Amy and I are both white women who don't know anything what it's like to live in the shoes of a person of color. But I, regardless, all of this shit is so fucked up. It's so, so, so crucial for us to know and learn about no matter who you are, where you're from, because it shapes literally everything we do and consume and how we interact in our in our molds of the world so um yeah and it makes me really sad that uh the whole i haven't really been following it closely so i'm not going to talk like i'm an expert on the critical race theory but like people this whole argument that we shouldn't teach children about the events that show what how racist our country is i feel like that's important to highlight i I hate the argument people are like my five-year-old doesn't need to know that i'm like we're not teaching your five-year-old that you don't have those conversations when they're in elementary school because it goes over their head right like any teacher they've been through training they Mm -hmm. know what a student can understand their attention span like these these karens need to back off teachers are not <laughs> teaching these kids preach so. miss amy preach miss Holt. <laughs> i didn't understand it at all but when you and Corey explained it to me it pissed me off even more that i couldn't even investigate more because i was already pissed off and angry <laughs> as usual and so but like yeah i just don't understand like the truth as they say sets you free i'm a firm believer in that and it's just another lie on top of lie and, and revisionist history. Mm-hmm. And it's and that's not doing anyone or any of us in this world any favors by not knowing the truth and facts. And there's no such thing as fucking alternative facts. Let me just say that. It's fact. It happened. It didn't. And unfortunately, this dark spot on our history is well documented, obviously, in the States, but stemmed from a lot of other European influences. Well, I think every country has um, history they're not proud of. And it's like examining those and, I mean, learning from it. That's all we can do. Yeah. But I'm excited to hear about uh, Marie Laveau. Oh, yes, man. Because she sounds like a badass. So I'm going to hand it off to Krista. Yeah, she. this is a positive case for us feminists out Woo-hoo! there. And she's a bad, bad biatch. So I'm super stoked to tell you all about her today. Sweet. Thanks for handing it off. I think the best way for me to start this is by referencing one of pop culture TV's biggest hits uh, by Ryan Murphy, his American Horror Story series, specifically Coven. Have you ever seen it? Nope. Girl, you are missing out. I know. I think we've talked about it a few times. Yeah. yeah I definitely have not watched it. It's so good. Have you ever watched any of the American Horror Stories? No. Okay. Coven, in particular, um, premiered on October 9th, 2013. And oh, I didn't realize it was that old. Yeah, yeah. It started, God, I want to say in 2010, but perhaps even sooner. How many sooner. seasons are there? Oh, there's like 15 or so now. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, no idea. Really yeah, I didn't know. Cool. I don't know much about it at all. It's such a, the, the first one is my my favorite. That's with Lady Gaga, right? No, she's in way later. Okay. I just know um, a little bit about it from other people watching it's it. It's so good. It, got, it does get a little, of course, dramatic uh, towards as the seasons progress. That's a total Ryan Murphy thing, but it's so good. I don't even know who Ryan Murphy is. Famous producer. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't like, know why always does like scary stuff. Producer. 
Does he usually do, like, scary stuff, I'm assuming? Yeah, scary or, like, subculture-y, like, the dark side of human nature and the subculture. Okay. So, anyway, Coven, or American Horror Story, premiered October 9th, 2013, and it was set in this, like, absolutely stunning 17th century New Orleans mansion. Okay, very cool. And you know I love that city, so just picture the big white houses with the pillars. I can picture it, yeah. And in this home, this mansion... It was where young girls would learn to hone their magic by leaning into their newfound coven in this home. And one of the main plots centered around the very famous, infamous by some, Madame Marie Laveau. And she is the feared and revered voodoo queen of New Orleans. And I even have a little altar dedicated to her myself. At the end of this thing, I'm gonna make you do a little prayer with me, baby. We're gonna send a prayer. Oh, I'm sending a prayer. To Madame Am I gonna light on fire? Maybe. <laughs> <Ching>! <laughs> and the lightning comes down. Yes. Strikes <laughs> me in the head. Uh, anywho, uh, I really hope I do uh, Madame Lowell justice. I thought it was so funny you said that about Haiti and your story. But uh, for me, I hope I do Madame Lowell justice because after I watched that season of American Horror Story, I became enchanted and i'm using that word purposely obviously i became enchanted by her character and the real life person that was madame laveau so much so that i began researching her history i found a book that i'd bought years ago this was before i had even watched the show so i think she was talking to me like she was like here you gotta like this is for you girl it's a book called voodoo dreams a novel of marie laveau by jewel parker rhodes who ironically is actually a writing professor at asu so why all this fear? Why all this reverence? Why all this mystique? Like, what was it about Madame Laveau that made her so much of a popular icon? You may be surprised to know that she was among 15 other queens, voodoo queens, not drag queens. Hey, shout out though. Hey, queens. But she was the queen of queens, if you will. I think personally, she was the queen of queens because of the agency and power she had to heal and free so many Blacks or enslaved people. She was all about the community and really actually truly gave back to it, not only through her healing and voodoo rituals of said healing, but what I believe financially, she probably contributed quite a bit as well. Both her mother and grandmother practiced voodoo. She was also baptized in the Roman Catholic Church and attended mass throughout her life. No surprise, as we kind of discussed that syncretization, I think it was called, um... I'm screwing that up. But when religions blend to become one, um, she was she was one of those folks. I love that the fact that the voodoo religion seems to be like when we talked about this in our um, history episode, but very like female dominated rather than Christian religion to me always is all has like a lot of male figures in it. Yes, And the majority of religions are that way. So I do I do appreciate that part. Yeah, and I I love it's so matriarchal, and I'm gonna get into that in a little bit because that's what this book is really all about, and showcasing that part of voodoo, which I absolutely love and adore, and it's it's really empowering actually. Good things came out of a lot of dark shit from the fictional Marie Laveau in this book, but also I would I'm willing to bet the real life one too. Mm-hmm. I don't know obviously, but there's got to be some behind that. But to your point, I really think that. She used her agency and quote-unquote power of healing, and, and she used it in a good way. Instead of, you know how we always say, like, power can be dangerous if you use it 
for evil. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> that happens too much, as we know in human history. But well, it's like money, too. Like, you think about Elon Musk, and he's like, mm-hmm. just needs to have all the money. And it's like... Yeah, won't even donate about, to, like, shelters or anything, right? Like, yeah, won't even... I'm sure he donates, but not enough to really... To him, it's probably, like, he, if he donated a million dollars, that's, like, $20 to him. We're, like, Bill Can you Gates. imagine? million dollars? Here's here's a million. No, I can't. <laughs> that's a whole other, like... But at that point, it doesn't even come about... It doesn't even... It's not about getting money at that point. That's just being, like, power. Right. Yeah. And, and then power. other people, like, Bill Gates... Like, he obviously has a lot of money, but he wants to give back. So mm-hmm. it's just, like, depends on the person who has the power and who has the money, what they're going to do with it. Yeah. And most of the time, they're men. Rich white men. But in this case, thank God, Marie Laveau was a beautiful black woman. And she used that power and agency to heal and free many um, other enslaved people and black people in her community. And she really gave back to that community, again, I think not only just through her quote-unquote healing of voodoo charms and rituals, but I really also think that... So she, she was a healer? Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'll get into it in just a little bit, but she kind of used her... She was a beauty shop owner. Okay. So she used also, like, the beauty shop to mix rituals and spells and, and charms for her So clients. it's like her... Uh, it's like most hairstylists are like... I'm a part-time therapist. Oh, absolutely. So she's kind of like that. Isn't that what um, Jacob says? Yeah, he said that before. Yeah, I mean, I think think about all the times, like, you're just sitting in your chair and you just, like, blurt out what the hell's going on in your life, well, you know? Well, like you almost can tell someone who's not biased. Because most of the time your hairstylist doesn't know your family and friends. So you can tell them things and... Yeah, They anything. don't, they only... Yeah, and they're not biased. We need to pay you all more, don't we, Jacob? Goddamn, the things I share. <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. Maybe you just need to tip more for yours. Well, literally, so when some things happened over Thanksgiving with my family, um, my sister was getting her hair done, and we were sitting in the chairs waiting for it, and we were just shooting. I mean, we were going in on the family shit, and these poor people were listening. Yeah, they're probably like, oh, God. Um. Anyway, uh, Marie also gave back to the community financially, I believe. This is just a quote and an example to showcase her uh, giving back or philanthropy. Uh, Although her help seemed non-discriminatory, she may have favored enslaved servants. Her most influential affluent customers were runaway slaves, credited, um, and they credit their successful escapes to Laveau's powers and charms, end quote. Um, So both her mother and grandmother practiced voodoo, and she was also baptized in the Roman Catholic Church and often attended mass throughout her life. That part has been fact-checked to answer your question. But it makes, it perfectly aligns with your history, like the blending, how they blend the religions. Yep, syncretization, unfortunately. I don't know if it's good or bad at this point. I couldn't assess it. Yeah, I was going to say, why would you say unfortunately? I think the unfortunate part is that you lose so much of the origins in something else that is mm, of a different belief system Mm. is unfortunate to me. So, for example, when oftentimes I would speak better Spanish than a lot of my Latina friends, or, like, you know, it's sad to me that their parents, they had to give up the language because they had to be accepted in the 80s, or, or would have gotten punished or beat or made fun of for speaking Spanish in the classroom. And so, therefore, they didn't raise their children speaking the language, and 
So that part of syncretization, like, bothers me. Okay. Because I do think the blending of cultures and religions, most of the time, when I look at it, is a good thing. Yeah, I think... And, like, if you move somewhere, like, for example, like, my parents, I mean... It's like you adopt the culture you live in. Sure. And you adapt to it. Sure. And and that part I, I totally follow and align with. I just I get nervous when when true roots and traditions are give way to like basically white people shit. That shit bothers me. I I do get that, but I, one argument I have is I didn't like when I was a teacher and there'd be like one student in the classroom who didn't celebrate a popular holiday right okay i don't feel like the whole class should have not be able to participate in the holiday that's true because you didn't celebrate it it's kind of like if i went to another country and they were celebrating some other holiday i would be first of all fascinated sure i'd want to learn about it Mm -hmm. and like yeah that's not fair i I think like even if you don't celebrate at home can't you just celebrate and partake in someone else's traditions i think that i I guess and i I I don't totally see where you're coming from no, and I see your yeah, point, too. Because that's bullshit that, like, you're going to not – you have it's cancel culture, essentially, is what you're talking about. Right? Yeah, so there's a little bit – I can see what, where you're coming mm-hmm. from. I see a little bit of both. Yeah. No, absolutely. So she did grow up, Marie Laveau, in, again, as a voodoo queen, but also in very enriched in the Catholic Church. And I'll get into it in my story in here uh, about this in just a minute. Another popular figure at the time that I bring up now, because it, it ties so well with the fictional book – voodoo dreams that i mentioned that john his name was jean montanay again french accent not my jam or as we'll call him from here on out dr john um according to wikipedia montanay was a free black man who sold cures and other material to various clients amassing sufficient funds to purchase several of his own slaves he alleged that he was a prince from Senegal who had been taken to Cuba and therefore freed and came up to Louisiana. But then he would purchase his own slaves? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, great. Great he, man. But he was a slave at one point. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, okay. that's, that's – yep. So he's in a pinnacle figure in this book and um, drawing upon the history of real people because he was a real person – Parker Rhodes writes about both Johns. So there's another character named John in her story. So something that, again, the actual recording of history books says a news coverage of the day was Madame Laveau's indoctrination ceremony um, into voodoo. It was held on the shore of Lake Pontchartrain, and it kind of gave me back to your your case where it was mm. like an affair. It was a big okay, ordeal. So, yeah, it was like a big public affair, drawing people in. Yeah, and Madame Laveau's ceremony um, it, it drew, and, and this is in 1874, by the way, on the banks of this river, 12,000 people. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, both black and white, all, all walks of life came mm-hmm. to see this thing. And as I mentioned earlier, in real life, Madame Laveau was a hairdresser, but may have used, I think, again, her boutique to help others prepare herbal remedies or charms and uh, really used her chair as a therapist, frankly, yeah, but a healer, mm-hmm. a healing therapist in, in the way of voodoo charms. And while she's is claimed she dies in 1881 there's so much mystery about the real woman or whether or not she is still alive and quote-unquote living as one of her daughters or ancestors and in, in, in the voodoo tradition and reincarnation so this big affair kind of going back to that mm-hmm. 
So she was like welcoming new people to the voodoo religion. What was she doing? Oh, yeah. So she was basically a PR stunt for her, frankly, to become this queen of the religion. Oh, okay. So people would then come to her. Kind of like I'm the leader. Yes, exactly. Almost like if she was like a priest kind of yep. thing. Yep. Like someone who has power in mm-hmm. the religion. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And people would, they flocked to her before, but this was like her... I'm coming out. Um, no, she, she, uh, it was very theatrical and I'll get into it in just a little bit, but she, there was a serpent involved, mm-hmm. uh, like a big ass one, like a boa constrictor, Ugh, like again, no. Britney Spears yeah. style. So it was a big affair. So many people think so that this is the myth of the big myth around her that she, she was immortal, is immortal and uh, that she's still living today. Okay. So that's part of the mystique about her as a Do character. you believe that? I don't know. I, I tried to find her or try to go to her tomb when, during my bachelorette party. But Amber and I were frankly too hungover. And um, <laughs> secondarily, uh, I came down with the flu and then thereby passed all the flu to all my friends uh, who were there. So sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> so didn't find her tomb. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about my thoughts on reincarnation, actually. Believe it or not, I, I don't have I, I don't have a strong um, sense of, of I don't have a compass on reincarnation at this point. I believe it's possible, but I don't know how. And I, and believe it or not, my woo-woo-ness is, is questioning that how. Of all the things, I question that how. I don't know why, but I do. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't believe in it. But, I mean, I, I you don't? <laughs> I could I could imagine, though, like, what? the idea of, like, you, you leave behind your legacy and you have an impression on people, mm-hmm. but not their reincarnation. But it's an interesting theory. We're going to have to cover that someday, P.S. Yeah, that'd be a cool one. Yeah. So that's why there's so much, like, reverence and, and fear about her. And they think, this is another piece of this, the tomb where they quote-unquote think her body was buried is in New Orleans. And we'll show some pics on the drive. It's the oldest cemetery in the city. And you'll still find, to this day, offerings and flowers in her name. So when you say they think her body is buried there, they don't know for sure. Correct. So they she doesn't actually have a tomb with her name on it. Mm-mm. Okay. They, they they made one, right? They made, I'll now put it on the drive. And I have a beautiful card, artistly made card of, of the tomb that my bestie gave me. And that's my on my altar. That reminds me of Princess Di, actually. Yeah, super. So, um, you know the story that she's not buried where she actually... I didn't know that story, but I was thinking about all the gifts. Well, tell me that. Oh, so I went to... I can't remember where it was in England, but we went to... I think it was one of her estates. And it was amazing. We went into this room, and it was this huge room. And it had all the flowers people had brought from when she passed wow. away. Filled this entire huge room. It was probably like... I mean, this is my middle school memory or high school memory, so it's been a while. But oh, so I you remember, went kind of almost shortly after it happened, or maybe my my memory right. is not the best because but, we were young when she passed. Yeah, we, I think she passed in middle school. But so they said that her tomb was in that area, it was in the countryside. But they don't believe she's act. The rumor is that she's not actually buried where they say she's buried because they think people will try to dig mm-hmm. her up. So they believe it. There's this moat with like a water and then there's like an island kind of in the middle of the lake and they think that she's actually buried there that's the rumor but anyway i don't really know the facts too well but there is rumors about she's not buried where they say she actually is buried because they're afraid people would try to dig her up yeah i think that was similar with this like they would and people were so desperate to get too close to die obviously and, and to marie madame let me be formal um that they (laughs) wanted to 
be charmed by her, get her magic. Yeah. To help whatever ailment in their life was at the time. I definitely need to fact check that. So we will look into that, uh, make a mental note, and we will post on Insta the story about where Where Princess Di actually is in the rumor. I never heard that. But it makes sense, though. Mm -hmm. It makes total sense because people are nuts. I mean, in in Di's case, it's people just being celebrity star efforts, probably. But Did you ever watch the royal family the tv show no I, oh it's so good it's i tried and i was like yeah it, so you have to give it a chance okay it's slow at first but then when you let the story pick up it's really good i was eventually it leads to her right yeah yeah i watched me and Corey watched it during the pandemic and i do have to say at first i was kind of like eh. but if you give it enough episodes i really like how they build the story of who the queen is and you kind of get to know each person the royal family okay I, Which honestly they don't and they don't like to show at all. They hate right because she's was not a great person. No, she's not right. No, yeah, I didn't think so. Well, the whole um, family is just really racist. Yeah, look at the Archie thing. Yeah, and then, I mean, and like Prince fucking what's that? Charles, thank you. Prince Charles apparently like made a statement recently. I'm not racist. This family is not racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but watch the show. It's good. Yeah, bullshit. You're not racist. Anywho. Back to immortal, beautiful, powerful women that we can all take a tip from. Marie Laveau's tomb, as I said, they're not really sure where it is exactly. And there's still flowers and adornments there and offerings because people believe in her power to this day. That they can cure or, you know, their ailments, their sickness, their sicknesses, give them the love they dreamed of or the job or, Mm. you know, all those things that people always seek out external prayers for. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's like pound cake still there and there is a central... What is pound cake again? I think it's like... Is it the one that has the baby in it? I th- no, that's King's Cake. Oh, okay. That is a New Orleans staple though, but no, it's like a... What is it? Another it's really question. good. It's really good. My mom used to make it actually. It's like a very fluffy, airy cake. Okay. I'll, I'll show you. <laughs> I, like, I, don't, I, I can't even explain I might it. I have had it at some point. I don't, uh, I don't uh, know. Anyway, there's so much other drama that people claim to still see Marie throwing dice down on her own name. And all the other <laughs> stories of her being sought throughout the city Sorry, have been like, told. Is that what she she's doing? Well, and, and people ask on Google. These are the questions because they still don't even know. Like, that's, the again, so much mystery around this woman's real life what is the story of marie laveau how is marie laveau immortal how did marie laveau look and what is the name of the voodoo queen oh god bless google searches i love sometimes right people even the dumb searching even the dumb stuff i search sometimes i'm like i can't admit this to anyone i gotta type this into google (laughs) so the chapel where the statue stands this is where they used to hold funerals only but now, because Marie Laveau is such a prominent figure in Louisiana voodoo and their culture, mm-hmm. um, they have, like, statues and, like, there's charms all around the city that are homages to her. Okay. Very cool. Um, another prominent person or voodoo practitioner of the time, in the again, in the mid-19th century was, uh, as I mentioned earlier, John Montanet or Dr. John. I'm bringing him back up because he is important to at least the fictional story that I'm going to take us through right quick. Okay. So again, the book uh, Voodoo Dreams by Jewel Parker Rhodes is a fictional book about Marie's life. And I'm so impressed that she was able to even write a novel on this incredible woman because there's such 
little factual records. Do we know when the book was written? Like after she had passed away? or? Oh, yes. Well after. Okay. It was in the 90s, I want to say. I can fact check that. but And you own the book, right? I do own and the book. And you read it? I read it. Um, Is it long? maybe a 200 pager Not the easy read or oh it... yeah it's it's a fictional fun read almost could categorize it i would say as not necessarily young adult but there's a thread of like matriarchal of grandma mom and marie mm-hmm. and then her daughter so i loved it because of that because you know what was the title again voodoo dreams okay voodoo dreams yeah and in the book again tells a story of marie's life and she grew up in the bayou. So she didn't grow up in the hot city of Nola. So it's um, on the outskirts. Mm-hmm. And a very poor country. And again, bayous where they have the swamps and the gators. And you see the people taking the airboats and stuff. Okay. I can um, picture it. And so she grew up there in this novel. And she always describes having dreams. So hence voodoo dreams. And in as early as like the age of eight or nine, she was having these dreams of a man. And the man would come to her continually as she grew up in her dreams until one day in the book, he actually did come to her in the middle of the field that she was, I think, farming or working at. And um, unfortunately, he assaulted her, as in raped her. And she was very young. Wow. Like awful. 12 years old. And this Do we know if this is true or this is fictional? We don't know if this is true, but we do know that this Dr. John character was an actual human or an actual person and he was the person who was enslaved at one point and then he had slaves himself yep. later on okay yep. and basically is he the one who might have raped her mm-hmm. okay and he was in her dreams yep okay yep and so cut to she escapes she goes to in her young early teens it goes to the big city to find wealth and a career and she does so as a hairdresser as i mentioned and then um, meets another man named john and this man also, I believe, existed. They don't know to what extent, again, in the fictional story. But so this is a good John? A good John. So there's bad John and good John. Exactly, okay. yes. And this good John becomes her lover and takes her under his wing. And they start building her quote-unquote empire as the voodoo queen. Okay. As soon as she gets there and, and, and through through her beauty shop, starts building a reputation as a healer. Okay. Nice. And follows that trajectory. But unfortunately, there's like so much abuse and trauma, um, not only by the men in her life, but by her mom and grandmother were like kind of verbally abusive to her. And then it takes you through the scene of the affair of her indoctrination. Mm-hmm. And again, it was so wild, like where there's the snake involved. And essentially she, and, and this is part of the voodoo religion and beliefs, where she embodies the snake, she becomes the snake and lives in the spirit of a serpent. Hmm. Very Harry Potter of her. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yes. Yeah, I am for that. One day. I mean, Teddy was reading it to me. Oh, was he? Yeah, it was so cute. Which one? The first one? I think so. Okay. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> but I was really proud of him because there's a lot of big words in there. Yeah. He's five, right? Seven. Seven. Like, okay. He'll be seven in, oh my God, ten days. That's her nephew. We're Happy birthday, out. nephew. I love you, teddy bear. I don't think he listens. I know. But Hopefully I love not. You anyway. <laughs> like, uh, my auntie's crazy. <laughs> oh, he already know that. Let's be real. He loved me though. Anyway, so back to the book real quick. So she, she, it really ends on her indoctrination, and but in the meantime, it goes through the years of her traumas of like you know how she became powerful and and essentially good John unfortunately turned bad John. 
Oh, so there's two bad Johns now. Plot yeah, twist. Yeah, and he basically tried to take her agency away from her by taking, like, owning, like, think, think of Free Britney, right? Like, this John tried to take her money, her influence, and tried to control everything that she did with her voodoo business, oh, if you will. Okay. I'm going to call it voodoo business. I don't know how else to... <laughs> to uh kind of yeah, I don't know what right else now. to call it either. Um and in the meantime, however, she was a celebrity and gained fame for healing people. And mm-hmm. people loved her for that. And so henceforth she passes away and it's left with a cliffhanger if she and John had daughters or not. Mm. That could live Mm-hmm. that then her spirit could live through okay and so that's really the gist of this amazing woman but as i said earlier she wasn't just about this image she she gave back to the black community in through her financial means and enslaved peoples and it helped to free many enslaved people which i think is incredibly badass mm-hmm. and she basically cool. again like owned it as a woman and to me that's why voodoo is so attractive as you said like let's get our power let's get our agency we own this shit. We're queens. And we don't need anybody telling us Preach. What, what or what to do, how to dress, what to look, how to think, how to act. None of that shit. We are our own women. And I'm just... Hear I me know, roar. That's fucking right. <laughs> um, and uh, it was just really empowering, I guess, is the, is the to me. It was really a wonderful story, and I love this woman. If she was anything like the fictional version, she's just a bad bitch. Very cool. Awesome. I knew, like, I've heard of Marie Laveau, but I didn't know her story at all. Yeah. And, like, the imagery, I was like, oh, I've seen that before, but I said the top. I don't know much about, I didn't know much about voodoo at all before we even did this episode. And then I knew, like, of the name, but I couldn't tell you a single thing about her. So, very cool. I enjoyed it. Yeah. There's just a little bit I have, too, of, like, just wanted to make it known that, like, in media, as I said earlier in my history, there's so many sensationalistic portrayals of voodoo that were they didn't get it right, frankly. You know, they they equate Louisiana voodoo with Satanism. And um, we're actually going to talk about Satan, Satanism in an upcoming episode. But it's just really unfortunate that so many things got it wrong. Mm-hmm. When to me, this religion is about A, familiar ancestry and honoring your ancestors. And B, female empowerment. Very cool. So I can get behind either of those two things. Yeah. Essentially... It's really cool and do do some more research because I, I certainly didn't do enough justice, I don't think, on, on this religion. But it's really fascinating and it's not dark. It's not the devil's work. It ain't any of that bullshit that people might want to try to tell you or like are scared of it for. It's really just, again, like looking within. Mm-hmm. Very cool. I like it. So that's that. Awesome job. That was a fun episode. Thank you. So let us know what you think. If you like the format or if we should stick to our old ways. We're just trying new things out. Why mm-hmm. not? Because we can. We own this shit. We do what we want. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think that. Oh, uh, um, before we close, close, may we, my non-believer friend, may we do an offering to Miss Madame Lavo? I mean, we can. All right. So... <laughs> We're going to do it anyway. Since I'm such a believer. We're going to do it anyway. Here we go. Reminds me of when I would go to church with people growing up and you have to pretend to pray. So I'll do that with you. (laughs) I can can act. (laughs) All right. So as I said, she was raised in the Catholic religion and she she was seen till her death, and this is real life, not fiction, at churches in New Orleans and practiced and was like a very because of her fame from voodoo, was a very popular figure around the city. And therefore, this is a prayer card that is often found um, in gift shops around New Orleans, etc. 
to offer the voodoo queen herself a prayer. So please take my hand, friends. Okay. Get over it. Take my other one. Okay. And I'm offering this up to you, Madame Larivavo, success of our podcast, um, our health, and our journey together as best friends and business partners to have a wild, beautiful, successful journey. Okay? Here we go. Okay. I'm ready. Marie Laveau. Benevolent Marie Laveau. Who draws her strength from the loas, which are gods? I trust your protecting love and strength and power and your kindness. Give me the fortitude to confront misfortunes I meet and the strength to overcome my weaknesses. Amen. Amen, baby. Amen. For real. Um, you know what's funny? Do you know the serenity prayer by chance? No. I'll, I'll recite it. It's very quick, but it's one that's used in many, many places. Prayers. I do, girl. That's oh, yeah. with roots, baby. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the serenity prayer goes like this. And it's actually a really good one for anyone, religious or not. Um, just the sentiment behind it. So it goes like this. God, you want to pe- repeat after me? Are we not ready for that? <laughs> I mean, I can. <laughs> Let's just do it for okay. funsies. Okay, God. God. Grant me the serenity. Grant me the serenity. To accept the things I cannot change. Oh, I know this one. Yeah. They say it in the movies all yeah, the time. Yeah, it's, 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 everybody yeah. knows it. But it's called the serenity prayer. Okay. So to accept the things I cannot change. To accept the things I cannot change. The courage to accept the things I can change. To accept the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Wisdom to know the difference. Yep. It reminds me of when I was getting married and you have to repeat what the what the officiant says. I was I, like, wait, hold up. Did you do a secret priest ceremony? No. <laughs> no, but remember the, our officiant said something and I totally butchered it. I was like, whatever he said. Oh, <laughs> my God, you did. I yeah, I was like, I can't say whatever he said. Which, yeah. by the way, speaking of religion, whack-ass religions, uh... He got that license through the Universal Life Church, and I swear to God, it was like Scientology. But anyway, <laughs> hey, it's like hey, it works. You're legally like, married, I hope. It's like 30, 30 bucks, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so like it that. works. But anyway, it was just a funny side note. And um, with that, thank you everyone for listening. It was a really fun one, and uh, we're badass bitches over here. Okay, so we're just trying to take that energy from. I'm channeling these it, women. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we are going to be doing uh, Satan, the devil, next week. So tune in. I'm I'm throwing up my pitchforks, two hands, because I'm a sun devil, baby. So peace be witches. Peace. Thanks for listening. Please rate and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram or bewitchbanter.com. Suggestions for the show? Emails at bewitchbanter at gmail.com. Credits, music, phantom fun by Jonathan Boyle from premiumbeat.com. Podcast edited and produced by Krista Hins and Amy Holt.